Welcome to the Manor. Welcome back to the Twin Terrors Macabre Manor. Mead Metal Mayhem. I'm James. And I'm Jody. And guess what we're talking about today, James? Ooh, ooh. I, I, don't, I don't know for sure, but I bet it has to do with Crimbo. Yes, it does. But before we talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, before then. <laughs> what, are you, what are you drinking? What are you drinking? So I'm drinking. I know you're excited tell you so I'll do mine real quick. Just a very simple, apropos, Sam Adams Winter Lager Festive Bakwa Spices to go with our topic. Ooh, sounds good. good. It is, I even pulled it straight out of the uh, closet. Um, no no refrigeration, just nice, already warm. Uh, it's gorgeous. Mmm, okay. I am having... <laughs> okay, yeah, I was just going to ask. <laughs> I See, I'm one ahead of you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm lucky if it's only one. <laughs> I am having an Einstock, uh, brewed in Iceland, Icelandic Arctic Berry Ale. Ooh, Arctic berries. Yes. It's quite tasty. I am enjoying. It's a pale ale, you say? Um, and, uh, and, uh, sure. <laughs> it's, just, it's, uh, it's, it's not an IPA. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a white ale. There it is. White ale brewed oh, with... okay. White ale. Okay. Yeah. White ale brewed with bilberries. Not Pillsbury. Ah. Bilberries. The, the bilberries. Okay. Bilberries. Not I was going to ask you if it's Not Bilbo's yeah. berries. <laughs> I ain't going anywhere near... I ain't going near Bilbo's berries. <laughs> 130-year-old shriveled thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I was going to ask you if, you if it said what type of berry is an Arctic berry. <laughs> it does. <laughs> and that's like a wheat ale. Yeah. Um, it's very, very tasty. No, I'll have to look for that. You should. Ooh, hand-picked Icelandic bilberries. Mmm. Hey, if we're going to get your bilberries picked, might as well be by hand. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Both both of those beers, though, are appropriate for today's episode. <laughs> Ooh, which is? I'm going to let you say it. Okay. Um, to this, uh, to, uh, yeah, you're going to let me say it. <laughs> I'm, I'm letting you try. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is uh, is about Algernon Blackwood's story from, I believe, 1912, The Glamour of the Snow. Ooh, it's a good story. It is. He actually convinced me to read it last year. So I read it last year. And then he wanted to do an episode this year. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll read that one again. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, say, I, I think, personally, so far out of all of the Algernon Blackwood stuff I've read, um, I've read one novel. So I can honestly say that is my favorite Algernon Blackwood novel. <laughs> but out of all his short stories that I've read, this one is my favorite. Hmm. I I don't know if I've thought about a favorite, but this one's extraordinarily good. Yeah. So what the what the story's about is this Englishman uh, just <laughs> called Hib. Yeah. Well, always. Yeah. Um, the only name given is Hibbert, so I'm I'm assuming it's the last name. Uh, that'd be my guess. He is staying in a village in the Valais Alps, which I, I, I looked this up a little bit. Um, it's the uh, Penine Alps. I, I don't know if I'm saying that right or not. It, it's sometimes referred to as the Valais Alps because it's near the uh, the Valais Canton, 
which is a Swiss state or the equivalent of a Swiss state. We talked and, about those in the, uh, the female heavy metal band. Holy crap. <laughs> You, that was your episode. It was. Man, I love Burning them. Witches. I, Burning Witches. Thanks. Yeah. I even listened to them two days ago. And I, just, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was watching videos of Laura um, do some singing earlier today and just <laughs> gone. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, you, you continue while I take a drink for referencing a past episode. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so the uh, Valet Canton or, or Canton or uh, however you pronounce that um, is uh it's like the south, near the southwest corner of Switzerland. It's it's like right on the border with Switzerland and Italy. So that's kind of the area where this is taking place. Uh, it takes place in the winter, obviously. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Hibbert uh, is a writer. Obviously, he's working on a book, and he's uh, he's he's, he's kind of got this you know writer's imagination thing going, and and uh, he's he's aware, so to speak, of three worlds that intersect in this village and he feels a connection to each one while all three of them seem to be in conflict with one another and th those three worlds are english tourists who come here to ski fucking english yeah <laughs> um the the locals who live there year-round and nature and that's nature with a capital N. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah. Um, throughout the story, it's nature with a capital N. So, so Hibbert feels most in tune with nature. And uh, to kind of set that up, I'll, I'll read this this quote where he talks about Hibbert's feelings on it, and and uh, you know, how, I guess kind of how Hibbert thinks of of the others, the the tourists and the, and the locals, uh, and how they feel about it. To this last, however in virtue of a vehement poetic imagination and a tumultuous pagan instinct fed by his very blood, he felt that most of him belonged. The others borrowed from it, as it were, for visits. Here, with the soul of nature, hid his central life. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. I, I, I had a little passage that's kind of similar to that, and it, it talks about the three worlds fighting and everything, and it was just, yeah. but none of them did he belong. His nature was too multiple to subscribe to the set of shibboleths of any one class and since all liked him and felt that somehow he seemed outside of them spectator looker on all sought to claim him yeah which we we've talked about how some of our favorite authors writers are the guys who do both they they love the nature they like certain aspects of culture and but yeah yeah uh, even though he feels a connection to all three the obviously the one that he feels the most connection with is nature not necessarily that he is a part of the others. So he feels a connection to them for various reasons. So one night after the locals have gone to bed and the other English have finished their evening of fun on the public skating rink, Hibbert on an impulse decides to stay alone for a while on the ice. Um, and I got this other quote here. This, I love this quote. It was an impulse. Yes. And not an unnatural one. Yet even at the time it struck him that something more than impulse lay concealed behind it more than invitation yet certainly less than command. There was a vague queer feeling that he stayed because he had to, almost as though there was something he had forgotten, overlooked, left undone. Imaginative temperaments are often thus, and impulse is ever weakness. For with such ill-considered opening of the doors to hasty action may come an invasion of other forces at the same time, forces merely waiting their opportunity perhaps. So there's something else going on here. <laughs> yeah, something from outside of normal things. Ooh. Yeah. 
which, you know, kind of goes with the other Blackwood stories we talked about. Yeah, and I like his overlap with Ambrose Beers, too. Uh, yes. they, they both have that. Yeah, they do, yeah. Type of thing, but anyway, that's yes. just throwing out that there also is a reference to a past episode, so I can take another drink while you talk. <laughs> so while Hibbert is skating and contemplating this feeling that this impulse to stay was more than impulse, he's startled to see the figure of a woman in the dim light, who it seems is trying to find the opening to the wire netting which surrounds the skating rink. Uh, thinking she was another tourist who had a similar idea as he, he indicates to her where the entrance is. I got this, this other passage here. But even before he got there, there was a sound on the ice behind him. And with an exclamation of amazement he could not suppress, he turned to see her swerving up to his side across the width of the rink. She had somehow found another way in. So he spends some time together with this woman skating. He feels drawn to her, although he notices oddities. Um, <laughs> she, uh, yeah. yeah she, she wore no gloves, mentions the dry and icy coldness of her hands. Her breath against his ear was singularly cold. And then there was this passage. But her face he never properly saw. A muffler of white fur buried her neck to the ears, and her cap came over her eyes. He only saw that she was young. Um, she gives vague answers when he asked where she was from. So he, he goes on, and the touch of her hand thrilled him more than anything he could remember. Even through his thick glove, he felt the softness of that cold and delicate softness. Of course, I didn't realize the first time, first few times I actually read the story that he replicated the word softness there in that sentence really close together. I just thought that was odd. <laughs> yeah, I never caught it until you said it. When you said it, I'm like, that sounds redundant. Yes, it, it was, and I, I was, it threw, it threw me off when I was doing my notes, and I saw that, and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and this is the time where he's actually commenting to her, also asking if she's cold and, and everything, right? And yeah. making sure she's comfortable, and yeah, she's perfectly fine out there in oh. the freezing freezing weather with <laughs> hardly yeah. any, not much on. Yeah, her gray clothing, and, you know. Um, so the, the, they skate for a while. Um, it's well past midnight. And when she left, again, slipping through the netting without him seeing where or how, <laughs> um, he, he felt that he missed her. But he was content with her promise that they would see each other again some night. It, and that night, instead of dreaming about the conflicts between the three worlds, he dreamed of snow, how soft and light it was, but how it could also smother. Gee, that's yeah. not foreshadowing at its best. <laughs> nope. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> Mm. No, and I like that. Mm. Yeah, this, uh, anyway, this very time there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is it very, very good? <laughs> yes. Sorry, uh, Saturday Night Live. <laughs> One of the originals. Uh, yeah, he has some other characters and, you know, some of the other English men try to get him involved and talk to him and try to get him to eat and, you know, just join their civility conversation uh, yeah. entertainment. And, you know, it's it's not like he's standoffish necessarily just it's not as interesting to him right but um, it gets worse after after that episode yeah he does i mean he, he he spends a lot of the remainder of the time doing a lot of the things he did before working on his book he does go out and enjoy activities in the area and spending his nights dancing with the other tourists although some of this was kind of a pretext to see if the mystery woman would show up again and she did not 
And there for a while, he fretted that he had lost her, but he also felt that she was nearby and he was certain that they would meet again. And he was also, he was kind of, I guess he got up that next morning and felt kind of bad because, you know, of course, at that time in society, it would be scandalous for a, a young woman to be alone with a <laughs> with a man privately in the skating rink like that, you know, and he kind of, he kind of worried about that, but. Um, I do declare. Yeah. <laughs> a young woman unaccompanied by a chaperone. Oh, oh Duchess. Yeah. So they get, they go for a while without any new snowfall or anything like that. And all the, all the people that are there to ski are complaining because, you know, the snow's not right for skiing and, and, and this, that, and the other. And then one night they have a good snowfall made all of the skiers happy and uh, which Hibbert had felt was coming, you know, so he kind of, you know, cause he's, he's most in tune with nature out of these three worlds. And, and he like a barometer, he felt that this was coming. So they have a costume ball. Or um, in it, uh, the, whatever the French word terms term was for costume ball, it's, uh, but he goes out of costume. He dresses up nice, but he doesn't wear a costume. Uh, costume ballet, right? Something like that. Yeah. 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 Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but before he leaves the hotel, he made sure that all of his private papers were in order, just in case. In case of what he doesn't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Just, you know you. You have this idea that something may happen to you. That yeah, yeah, <laughs> he just wants to be sure. Yeah. You're not, um, you're not thinking of Masquerade Ball, by the way, are you? No, no, no. Okay. I didn't think so. I read it a couple of days ago, and I can't remember it all. <laughs> um, no, it was uh, almost Ball Costume. Huh. Yeah. That, that's, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm assuming this is Costume Ball. It's uh, B-A-L. So only one one L. Cost I, well maybe may, maybe the E at the end of costume is pronounced I don't know. Costume maybe maybe it's, maybe, not, maybe it's not French maybe it's Swiss and not French I don't. Know. Ah, could be. But I, I'm assuming it's costume ball because that's what it looks like. <laughs> it, it is, and, but much like Hitler, ball is a little short, and there's only one L. Uh, okay, so he goes to this thing, and he he's not in costume, but he dances, and uh, he, you know, he spends some time with the other English people that are there, and later that night, after the party was winding down, he was leaving the ski lodge, somebody tried to invite him to go skiing the next morning, but he doesn't answer, I get this passage here, but Hibbert's silence was not rudeness, he had not caught the invitation, that was all, the call of the hotel world had faded. He no longer heard it. Another wilder call was sounding in his ears. For up the street, he had seen a little figure moving. Close against the shadows of the baker's shop, it glided, white, slim, enticing. So, so he's at once taken with the knowledge that they will not meet on the village streets. I mean, he just, he just knows this. Uh, but they're going to meet outside the village up on the mountain slopes. Yeah, it's his old pagan, his pagan feelings. Yeah. Um, I think I'm, I'll mention that here in a minute. I'll do another passage. But I, So without thinking or even later remembering doing this, he goes back to his room, puts on his sweater, and gets his skis. And the only thing he would later remember of this time would be passing the church on the way out of the village, although there were a few people that marked him leaving the village. And, and I loved this because, again, I didn't catch this until I was doing my notes. The cafe owner, Henri DeFago, 
<laughs> and and if you remember, Joseph DeFago was one of the main characters in the Wendigo. Um, he's he's actually the one who encounters it. DeFago. Yeah, and then there's. Uh, huh. Does that answer the question? Weren't we talking about what nationality he perhaps is? Um. Well, I know in I know in the Wendigo it says French Canadian. And here we have sort of a Swiss transalpine French. With yeah, yeah, and see, so. that's what, that's why I was thinking that the term for costume ball that he was using was French because I know Western Switzerland is close to France, and you know that's that's one of the languages spoken there. So, and then there's uh, uh, and I, I'm not sure if this is uh, Marta, Martha, Perotti, uh, shoemaker's I wife, Mar Marta, but yeah, yeah, that, I do, I do too. Um, it's, it's got an H in there, but I don't know that it's pronounced with the th or if it's you know t and the h separate i was going more for the latter um, but she's the shoemaker's wife and she remembers this quote the old traditions of the witches and snow beings that steal the souls of men <laughs> sorry <laughs> so as, as hibbert passes the church he does have the sense of hesitation but he dismisses it because and then he saw her. She stood there waiting in a little clear space of shining snow, dressed all in white, a part of the moonlight and glistening background, her slender figure just discernible. I waited, for I knew you would come. The silvery little voice of windy beauty floated down to him. You had to come. I'm ready, he answered. I knew it, too. Yeah, I like how, I, I like how they use the old church thing where the church is the savior and can save you but only if you wanted to and no yeah. no i'm gonna i'm gonna go with the winter witch yeah and, sorry <laughs> yeah and no and, and see and here was the next paragraph uh which I, I i paused because i couldn't remember if it was the quote or if it was mine <laughs> <laughs> um, the world of nature caught him to its heart in those few words the wonder and the glory of the night and snow life leapt within him the passion of his pagan soul exalted, rose in joy, flowed out to her. See, and that's where you mentioned the pagan thing again. So, yeah, yeah it's mentioned a few times, but yeah, yeah especially yeah. here with the church conjunction. Mm -hmm. um, and then that, that, that uh, passage ends up with, he neither reflected nor considered, but let himself go like the veriest schoolboy in the wildest first love. Yep. Been there, my man. Oh, yeah. That is not the end of the story, but that is where I'm going to leave it, unless James has other things he wants to add. Because, uh, because I, uh, again, I want people to read the story, so I don't want to give the ending away. Okay. I just have a couple <laughs> things in. Okay. And one actually is, is very, very close to where Jody's at when he mentioned it. But when Jody mentioned she wouldn't come into town, he knew he wouldn't find her in town at a certain point. Mm -hmm. And later, it talked about that, you look for me in the wrong places, he heard her murmur just above him. You looked in places where I never go. Hotels and houses kill me. I avoid them. She laughed to find shrill, windy little laugh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, like a winter wind. Mm -hmm. But I love this. Um, let's see. That one would... Uh, uh, well, you know, uh, I, I don't think I'll give anything away by simply saying that Algernon and Ambrose Beers both do wonderful things with the differences between nature and cities or even yeah. uh, cosmopolitan and and more rustic, you know, the, yes. the locals versus the more high-class English. Yeah, and that, that's the conflict between the tourists and the locals. 
Um, other than that, I can't really say that, but I, I like how they, they discuss survival and, and mm -hmm. fear and what those things can do, which, which we discussed in the Wendigo episode. Right, yeah. But yeah, I just love, I, I mean, I love the fact that this eldritch spirit, wintry nature, witch thing yeah. is enticing. I mean, it's not, it's not a, it's not it's something that leaps out of the snow and eats your face. It's something that lets you come in and willingly give your face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and again, it's, it's, and, and it's not necessarily a versus kind of thing, but it's, it's, again, it's, it's one of those man versus the spirit of nature or a nature spirit, like we talked about in, in the other stories. And, but yeah, I think in this case, it's not necessarily a versus thing. It's not an adversarial thing. Uh, you know, outside of what she tries to do to him. <laughs> you'll, you'll have to read. And yeah, I yeah, agree you'll have to read. Yep. Yeah. I just, I fell in love with the story because it hit me so hard because I identified with him so much with his, his connection to this type of nature with, with snow and the cold. And I, that's almost how I feel about winter and snow and, uh, you know, it's, it just, it, it kind of irks me when people, I don't want to live in the snow. I want to go to, I want to live in the South. No, you don't. <laughs> I live in the South. You don't want to live here. Hell, I barely like it when it's high summer here. I, if I move anywhere, I'm going Northern. Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, I'm, I'm just gonna say this. There, there is, there is no politics about this issue. Climate change is real. And we are losing these seasonal changes. Our, yeah. our, our, our summers are getting longer and our winters are getting shorter. And the, the, the spaces in between with spring and autumn are getting shorter too. Yeah. And As it's, a libertarian scientist, I just look at the data and yeah. Yeah. yeah and I, I don't, I don't even have to look at the data. I see it. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you got asked how to take a snowball into uh -huh. Okay, that's getting political. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, I mean, I, I watch the weather every morning before I go to work. And, you know, at this time of year, you know, he's talking about, oh, well, it's going to be a nice day. It's going to be in the 70s. I'm like, it's freaking November. It's November when we recorded this. It's freaking November. It should not be in the 70s. Not even in Alabama should it be in the 70s. No, okay. you can say that's a nice day. But what that means to me is that there's something wrong. Yeah. yeah. Now, I'm not saying in Alabama it should be in the 30s in November. I mean, you know, if you if you look at the globe, we're kind of with on 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 the same uh, latitude with uh, North Africa. So, <laughs> but it shouldn't be seventy five degrees in the middle of November. No, I went for hikes this past week, and a couple days low mid high thirties is gorgeous. Yeah, for this time of year. And then one day I had to wear a t shirt when I went out. It was in the um, got to the low sixties. Mm -hmm. No. It's late November in Indiana. Should not be in the 60s at all. <laughs> no, it shouldn't. And, and, and we're losing that. And that, like I said, that really, that really hits me because this is my favorite time of year. And this is part of the reason why it's my favorite time of year is because it gets cold and because there is snow. And, and, you know, and again, I don't expect it to be snow on the ground the entire time in Alabama. Right. But it should be cold more than it is it should be more cold than it is and it's just not 
Okay, so to get off my horse about that, I love snow <laughs> and I love cold. I identified with Hibbert. I identified with that attraction. <laughs> I uh, got definitely. it. I got it. I mean, it, it hit me. And I, I had read a couple other stories because this was I, – I first read this in, in, a, in a collection of uh, Blackwood's works. And I, I read the first two. Like it's, this was like the third or fourth one I read. So I read, the, I read the ones before, and I was like, this is pretty good. I like this. And then I read this one, and I went, wow. I just – it just it floored me because I, it hit me so hard. You know, I, I understood this character. I understood what he felt. You know, and like I said, I'm not, I'm not the type of person that would go out and I, I can't, I can't ice skate to save my life. I tried it one time when I was six years old and I, <laughs> I, I went around the rink holding onto the rail so I wouldn't fall down. And I knew how, I knew how to roller skate. So it's not like I didn't know how to skate. I just didn't know how to ice skate. I've never been skiing and I have no desire to go, but give me the proper gear. I'll go hiking in the snow. Oh yeah. I love it. And, and it's just, Oh yeah. So this, this story for me is kind of, it's a, it's a personal thing because I, I identify so much with everything I, and, and, I'm, and I know James does too. I get that, you know, you, you're part of, part of society, but you're not really. It's <laughs> <laughs> preaching to the choir. <laughs> and, and uh, it's, you know, I've been to Switzerland. I, I've, we've talked about this uh, going to different places and everything. And I, I've been to Switzerland. I don't, honestly, it was 30, 34 years ago <laughs> and I don't I, I couldn't even tell you how long we were there it was September so it wasn't cold it wasn't real cold I, I had a you know light jacket but I, I fell in love with Switzerland yeah which is another reason I, I like this story because uh, it takes cool. place in Switzerland yeah um, I just I fell in love with Switzerland and uh, actually I have a cousin that lives there um, she, uh, she met a guy from Germany online and, and, uh, they, they fell in love. They got married. She moved to Europe with him. They're living in Switzerland. So <laughs> I'm like, all right. <laughs> um, but the, I've seen the Alps. The Alps are beautiful. Uh, you know, it's fantastic. Oh, that damn. That's what I was going to mention. Uh, the Valais Alps, the, this region of the Alps where the story takes place, it's where the Matterhorn is. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I thought that was neat, too. It was something in the story that he, he doesn't mention that in the story. But when I was um, when I was looking up this this region, uh, that that's one of the things I caught in there. That, that That's where the Matterhorn is. Uh, I would have loved to have seen the Matterhorn. We didn't go that far west into Switzerland. <laughs> we, we stayed we stayed in the, the region closer to Germany because that's where we were. Uh, yeah, that's where my stepdad was stationed in the army and everything. So it was in Germany. So it's, but yeah, I fell in love with Switzerland. It was awesome. And, you know, I love winter. I would love to be in Switzerland in the winter, not to ski or anything like that, just to, just to be there. I think would be awesome to get to do that sometime. Oh, definitely. I've gone ice skating in can ish as much as I can roller skate, which is, uh, I, I don't fall. That's the best I can do, but yeah. Yeah, to go hiking was, in those mountains. Oh, oh yeah. that would be fantastic. It was, and, and we didn't. We did a little bit of that. It, we drove around. We drove around a lot. Uh, we um, and, and I don't remember what. I, I don't remember what towns we stayed in. We one of the towns we stayed in was on a lake. I don't think it was Lake Geneva, but it was one of the more famous lakes in Switzerland. And we took a boat. Um, you know, it was like a, a dinner cruise kind of thing out onto the lake one evening and 
that was about the time I realized I don't like boats. <laughs> See, you are like a hobbit. <laughs> I am. I am like a hobbit. So that's the glamour of the snow. Ooh, I've got I've got a couple things still. Okay. 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 Go ahead. Um, go ahead. Real quick. Uh, one is when you mentioned Matterhorn. Mm -hmm. We've talked about Looney Tunes, so <laughs> you should watch Piker's Peak. That the the, the, the episode that is a. Um, yeah, uh, that, it, it's a Swiss episode. <laughs> that is probably my all-time favorite Yosemite Sam Looney Tunes cartoon. <laughs> and, and and I love Yosemite Sam. That has to be one of my all-time favorite Yosemite Sam Looney Tunes cartoons. <laughs> yeah, just a nice seven minutes of humor. <laughs> it is that, that one is an awesome one. And then the other two things are just little references to other literature that we've mentioned. One okay. is that the spirit of nature reminds me of the Conan, the frost giant's daughter. Oh yeah. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Very, very similar. Of course, you know, yes. Howard would have wrote it much later. Yeah. But, but he uh, may have been influenced by this because I, Blackwood may have been one of the ones that he read. I think so from what I've read. And that would not surprise. Well, I mean, we know Lovecraft did, so it would make sense that Howard did. Yeah. And that came out in 53. So not super later, you know, for, right. you know, and uh, the only other thing, I know, I know this is at the very, very end, but it doesn't give anything away. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's the story of Mad Hibbert, which reminds me of Mad, <laughs> Mad Baggins <laughs> from Lord yeah. of the Rings. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, that's yeah. it. Those are, yeah, those are my, my little, I, I think I had two other little paragraphs that I might have read, but. I think that I think they would ruin and spoil, and I think you're right. They should just read it's it's nine pages. Like if you print it off on the eight and a half by eleven, nine yeah. pages. Yeah, it's it's not very long, but he packs a lot into the story. You know, I mean, there's a lot going on there, and um, I, so I had to look up today because I couldn't remember. On Kingdom of Loathing, there's the uh, oh, what the the Snow Queen. Yeah, which is based off I think C.S. Lewis. Yeah, she's 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 based off the White Witch out of the the uh, lion the witch in the wardrobe but, I, <laughs> but, the, but, but the graphic they use yeah <laughs> the graphic they use is very apropos <laughs> uh, so yeah it's <laughs> so so uh was it the snow queen from kingdom of loathing is is based on the white queen from the the lion the witch in the wardrobe by c.s lewis but it makes a lot of references to the band queen <laughs> Because you, she drops the radio Gaga. <laughs> yeah, she drops the radio Gaga, and she drops Turkish Delight, which actually does reference Lion the Witch in the Wardrobe, because that's what the White Witch used to get the one boy to Peter. Peter, yeah. Okay, so I want I want to talk a little bit about that. <laughs> so I've I read, I yeah we, we've talked about this. I've read some C.S. Lewis. Uh, we both have. We've both read the Narnia Chronicles. Right, you've you've yeah, read all yeah. the books. Yeah, uh, I don't think I've read them all. I've read the first three. Okay, so I I read I read the entire series. My mom had bought it for my nieces, and they of course didn't read it. Um, so she loaned it to me, and I I read it. The, the entire series is very good. It was very enjoyable. But I I have ever since I have finished it, I have always used this analogy for the difference between Tolkien putting Christian symbol, symbolism in his writings and Lewis putting Christian symbolism in his writings. And the difference is when Tolkien does it, you might not catch it. It's subtle <laughs> and you won't know it's there. 
when Lewis does it, my takeaway from it was after reading the entire series and, and not so much after Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, but definitely after reading more than one book in the series, I felt like Lewis had taken the crucifixion itself. He had taken the cross with Jesus, pulled it out of the ground with Jesus still attached and beat me over the head with it. <laughs> uh, yeah. A little heavy handed with it sometimes. I, and I'm only throwing that in because we talked about C.S. Lewis. So, <laughs> or, or we mentioned, you know, uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah. But no, I, I, uh, I, I didn't have anything else. I mean, I, I, I could have, but I thought no, because that's the, I wanted to end at the point in the story where, I don't want to give anything away. <laughs> yeah, because it gets super good. You already get an idea of the creepy thing coming up, but yeah, you know, no, yeah. exactly. And it's so not it's not really a horror story. It's not really scary per se, but it it, it is a little creepy, you know. But it's just it's um God, I just to me it's just it's beautifully written and uh, it just, I, and I, I know maybe it's because I have an affinity for winter and snow already. I think that's probably why it hit me so hard. You know, I, I don't know if you felt that way, but. Oh yeah. Yeah. I love this autumn and winter. Yeah. Yeah. Bring it on. And yep. I mean, and, and don't get me wrong. I like spring and summer too, but I like, yeah. I like the variety of seasons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like them all for their various things. I have my preferences, but I, I like them all. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I lean more towards, yeah, like you, autumn and winter. I think I like winter a little more than autumn, but you know, autumn has Halloween, so that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd go into some of the things I like about winter, but I think we have an upcoming episode where we're going to talk about some of that stuff. Oh, we are. Ooh, soon, soon. Yes. Well, you know, the next couple are going to be sort of a, yeah. Conglomerate of such wonders. Yes. <laughs> I was about to do that and you beat me to it, so I heard a joke instead. It's like there's a pretzel in the room. Yeah, I didn't have anything to do with that damn pretzel. <laughs> I think you jinxed that pretzel. <laughs> you you ate that pretzel on your own. <laughs> I did not make you eat that pretzel. <laughs> No, and nobody made Hibbert go up into the mountains, and yet, <laughs> <laughs> and yet, there was almost a similar outcome. <laughs> <sighs> of course, Carl and I didn't help you with the pretzel choking you either. So. <laughs> I blame Carl because he started laughing. Yeah, let, let, let's go with that. <laughs> and you should already know what we're talking about because we talked about this in an episode. Yep. <laughs> Uh, like two years ago, but nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Anyway. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, on that note, uh, <laughs> I think that's all I got. <laughs> that, that sounds that sounds good to me. Me too. Okay. I'm good. All right. I'm awesome. Yay. <laughs> Oh, no, no. So, yeah. Uh, so uh, the glamour of the glamour of the snow. Check it out, Algernon Blackwood. Published in 1912. Yeah, it's good. Yes, I mean he doesn't discuss bilberries, but it's still no. pretty good. Yeah, if you want to know how it ends, I mean, you know, because we're not going to tell you. Fuck <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> <laughs> it. Uh, so, uh, uh, yeah, on that note. <laughs> I'm James. I'm Jody. <laughs> we'll talk to you later. Bye. The Macabre Manor is brought to you by the Twin Terrors. All rights reserved. Stay tuned for some fun outtakes. Heck, it's a ghost from beyond the spirit's realm of the woods. Yay! <laughs>
Wait, ah, oh, damn it, my notes are over there. Shit. <laughs> um. Um. Let me. Uh, nope. Okay. Most of him belonged. Uh, I'm going to reread that because that sucked. Yeah, so here, yeah, I'm just going to start that. <laughs> oh, so, oh, golly, we're hot tonight. Yeah. <laughs> almost, almost, almost. I got to be on the page before. It is, I'm going to mangle the pronunciation once I find it. He is at once taken with the knowledge that they will not meet on the village streets, but outside the village, up on the mountain slopes. Wait, never mind. That wasn't quote. <laughs> <laughs> so that yeah, that's why I was thinking it. So I yeah, so this you know maybe. Yeah.